Uh, tonight we are looking at probably the, the most famous story that, that Jesus ever told. And it's really the story about relationships and broken relationships. Uh, when you think about broken relationships or broken friendships, there are, there are really two ways that those relationships break down. Uh, the first way is what I call the, the big row. Uh, you know, it's explosive, it's sudden, it's unexpected, it, it's dramatic. You know, so one day you, you're best friends with somebody, your best buddies, you're hanging out all the time, you're having coffee every day, and then suddenly something happens. And then you can't stand each other, and you hate each other, and you know, you. You take them out off your Facebook, you, you take them out of your contact list and it's like the marriage where you know, Andy and Amy have been married for years and Amy comes home early one night to surprise her husband but she gets a surprise as she finds him in bed with another woman and there's a massive fight and a big row and the marriage is over. Uh, the big row breakdown. And let me say, if you've ever lost somebody that you love in that kind of breakdown... If you have experienced the, the void and the loneliness and the grief of that big row breakdown, it is utterly, utterly devastating. Uh, the second type of relationship breakdown is less obvious. Uh, it's what I call the, uh, the long, slow drift. The long, slow drift. So, you know, Andy, Amy, they've been married for years and everything seems fine. You know, they're, they're faithful to one another. They don't row, they don't fight, there's no unrest. They live in the, the same house under the, the same roof and sleep in the same bed and eat at the same table, but, but they just don't talk anymore. And like sort of two boats that just drift apart, they wake up one day and realise actually they don't know each other anymore. Or, or, or the friendships, you know, you've got those friendships where uh, you used to hang out all the time, but... Your lives are taking different directions. Your paths don't cross anymore. And so you've still got the name in the, the contact list. You've still got the name on Facebook, but uh, you've taken them off speed dial. You know, it's that long, long, slow drift. But the same result. No relationship. And tonight we're going to hear a story from the Bible called The Power of the, the Lost Son. And Jesus talks about those two types of people. Uh, the big row, get lost, I hate you kind of break up. And also just the long, slow drift, just drifting away, drifting away from God. And as I look out on this room, I'm guessing that we're all in the story somewhere. Whether we've shaken our fist at God in the past and said, get lost God, or we've just gradually just shifted away from God. And so as I invite uh, Peter to come and read the Bible to us. As you hear the story from Luke chapter 15, think, which one am I? The, the, the shaking the fist, get lost God, or the long, slow drift? So I'll invite um, Peter up. It's Luke chapter 15 on page 740. challenge to, um, to read without the protection of a lectern. One feels just a little exposed. Luke chapter 15, the, the lost and found chapter in Luke's Gospel, starting at verse 11. 
there was a man who had two sons. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that land and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Thanks, Peter. Did you uh, spot the, the big row, the, the younger son? He's basically saying, uh, get lost, Dad. I wish you were dead. So verse 12, he says, uh, give me my inheritance. Imagine just saying, Dad, uh, you know that uh, insurance policy you've got? Cash it in right now. Give me the cash so I can have a good life. And the dad goes, uh, yeah, but to do that, son, 
I need to die first. Yep. That's what I'm asking. Get lost, Dad. I wish you were dead. Spot those two words again, verse 12. Father, give me. Give me. Dad, I want your money, but I don't want you. Dad, give me all the good things in life, but I don't need you, Dad. Dad, you can help me to enjoy the things that I want to do, but I don't want you there with me to enjoy them. You know, you cramp my style a bit. Get lost, Dad. It's outrageous, isn't it? The, uh, the man who has put a roof over his head and fed him and cared for him, and here he is standing face to face with his dad saying, I wish you were dead. Get lost. And yet, yet I reckon that is what the majority of people in Australia do every day. Get lost, God. I wish you were dead. Uh, I, I like the things you can give me, God, uh, but I don't want you. I'll take the, the job and I'll take the house and I'll take the, the family and I'll take the food and I'll take the finances and I'll take the fun, but, but I don't need you, God. I'll, I'll grab all the things that you give me, but you, know, you cramp my style a bit, God, so just go away. Isn't that what we do? It's outrageous, isn't it? And then we wake up every morning and we don't stop to think who it was who, who sustained us during the night. Who it is that gives us our every breath. We put on clothes, we eat food and we spend time with people and we never stop to say thank you. We're just like the, the younger son. I want the things but I don't want you, God. What was it that, um, that prompted this, this young lad to, to run away and, and spend all his money? What is it that uh, prompts 90% of Australians to say, I, I don't need you, God? I reckon it's the word freedom. He wanted freedom. He wanted to be free to do what he wanted to do any old time. You know, he wanted to live his life his way. Oh, it'll take all the good things to do that, but... But actually, you know... <sighs> When he is cashed up, he's got lots of friends around him. But when the cash is gone, the friends soon leave him. You know, here's this young lad, and hey, let's get on the jet plane and let's go to a different country, a different land, and let's live it up. The wine, the women, the sex, the drugs, the rock and roll, have a great life. But then one day the bubble bursts, and he wakes up and he's got nothing. And so he says, down in verse 15, he says this, He went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country and who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs and he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. He's hit rock bottom, hasn't he? A rich boy who's now a servant, a Jewish boy who's eating pig slops, See, what he's found is that he's promised freedom, but actually he got emptiness and, and loneliness. And that's what happens to everybody who tries to live without God. We surround ourselves with people, but they never satisfy, and with things, but they never satisfy, and we're just left empty and lonely. 
as Augustine said, uh, God made us to know him and our heart is restless until it finds our rest in him. Uh, that is the younger brother. Get lost God, I wish you were dead. And I'm guessing there are people here tonight who have just lived their whole lives like that. Taking all the good things but then just ignoring the giver. This boy uh, woke up, he came to his senses and he said, how foolish I am, how stupid I am. And maybe you need to wake up tonight. But I'm guessing that there's a lot more of the, the older brothers in this room tonight. The older brother is the, the long, slow drift. You know the people who are they're good people? The Aussie, she'll be right. He's a good bloke, he's a decent bloke. That's a bit of a London accent, sorry. You know, the people who, they're morally upright, they do good things, they are nice people, they're always in church, they're serving, they think they're good, they are pretty good people. And that's this older brother. He's always there, always at home, always with his dad, always helping. But look what he says, down in verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. His father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat, so I could celebrate with my friends. Notice that he's not living as a son, is he, in verse 29. He says, all these years I've been living as a slave, slaving for you. Oh, he's never disobeyed God's orders, his father's orders, but it's all out of duty, not out of love. Uh, verse 29 again, you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with you, Dad? No, no, so I could celebrate with my friends. And when this son of yours, not my brother, when this son of yours, he can't bear to call him my brother. They're not from the same family. He squandered your property and you killed the fattened calf for him. Do you see how He's living under his dad's roof, eating at the table, but there's no relationship there. They've just drifted. And again, remember who Jesus is talking to? He's talking to Pharisees. He's talking to people who, who think they're good, who think they're right with God, who think that, hey, I'm a good person, like the people on the videos. Uh, we're a good bloke, we'll make it to heaven. But there's no relationship with God no relationship with the Father my guess is that many of us here think we're okay like the older brother but we've just drifted from God we're what I call the uh, the cappuccino Christians it's all froth it's all superficial you haven't got the real long black light espresso at the bottom But whether your relationship with God is the, the big round, you're shaking the fist at him, or the, the long, slow drift, the result's the same, isn't it? You're far, 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 far away. You, know, you don't have to run a million miles to a different country 
be out of a relationship with God, you can do that in your own backyard. They're the two relationship breakdowns, the big row and the, the long, slow drift. And the irony is that although they say sort of get lost God, actually they're the ones who are lost. Because without a relationship with their father they are lost. No identity, no purpose, no intimacy. And that's where our third character comes in. He's called the Father and he is God. Let me ask you the question. How do you reckon the Father should react? How would your dad react if you took all his money and you flew overseas and you travelled the world and you drank it all and you slept around and then you turned back on his doorstep penniless? How would you react if your kid did that to you? I haven't got any kids. But if my son or my daughter spent all my money, said, get lost Paul, I wish you were dead, and then came knocking at my door, I think that I would probably just make them squirm a bit, love their faces in a bit, Sure, welcome them back, but you know, demand some repayment. <laughs> Build up the trust again. Is that how the father reacts in this story? See, God is not like any human father. The God in this story, the father in this story is, he's waiting and he's longing and he's just saying, Welcome home. Welcome home. So arms wide open saying welcome home. Uh, His arms are are wide open to both the boys. His arms are wide open to the older brother. Verse 28. His father went out and pleaded with him. You know, he refused to come in. He chose not to come in, but the father went out to him and pleaded. You can imagine him saying, please, please, please come home. Or down verse, verse 31, my son, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. I love you, he's saying. Arms wide open to the older brother. To the long, slow drift. But the most amazing one is the arms wide open to the younger brother. Verse 20. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and he, he kissed him. He ran. It's very undignified for, for men in that culture to run. He had compassion because he loved his son so much. And look how he responds. He threw his arms around him and literally he covered him with kisses. It's not that sort of that manly handshake, is it? It's that warm embrace, that hugs, that kisses, saying the tears down your cheeks, you're home, you're home, you're home. What is home? Home is, home is not a country and it's not a place it's not a building home is about people isn't it 
being with people that you love and people who love you back that's being home and this boy comes home to his dad and you can imagine him sort of rehearsing as he walks up dad I'm sorry I'm so sorry I've messed up please forgive me dad I'm so sorry I've messed up please forgive me dad I'm so sorry I've messed up please forgive me dad I'm so sorry it's okay my son you're home let's get a calf and let's celebrate let's have a party because you're home and I love you and I'm waiting for you to come home there's a story about a, a boy who did that who did come home you might have heard it before it's a boy who had spent three years in jail and he had really embarrassed his family and he didn't know whether when he was released from prison his mum and dad would take him home oh he wanted to go home but he wasn't quite sure whether his mum and dad would have him back and so this boy did I guess the only thing he could do was he wrote a letter to them and said mum and dad I'm being released from prison on the 23rd it's a Thursday I'm not sure whether you want me home or not so I'll catch a bus and um, I'll be in the village at about 2 o'clock now if you if you don't want me to stay I'll understand but if you do want me to stay if you forgive me then just uh, you know that little oak tree in the in the village just tie a yellow ribbon on that old oak tree and, you know the Thursday came and you can imagine the the young man as he sits on the bus and can you imagine what your heart's doing as you're getting closer and closer it's pounding, it's pounding, it's pounding and, and then your mouth is going dry and you're about to turn that, that last corner and as the bus as the bus turned the last corner the, the guy just put his hands over his face and then he, he looked up and then he just sobbed and he sobbed uncontrollably because there was um there was no yellow ribbon on the old oak tree. There was no yellow ribbon because the old oak tree was just covered with hundreds and thousands of yellow ribbons and yellow dusters all shouting, welcome home, I love you, welcome home, welcome home. And friends, whether you have shaken your fist like the younger son and said, get lost God, I wish you were dead, or whether you've sat in this church week in after week out and just drifted and drifted and drifted and drifted. God wants you to come home. How do I know that? God didn't tie a yellow ribbon on an oak tree. 2,000 years ago he, he pierced his son on a cross the precious son who was perfect in every way who bled and died and that's the father shouting to you I forgive you welcome home as Jesus cried out it is finished he's saying come home I'm dying in your place I'm dying so that you can come home I need to ask you have you come home I'll ask you again, have you come home? My guess is there are people here tonight who know they've just shaken their fists at God and said, get lost God. 
And my guess is there's even more people here tonight. And you've just slowly drifted. And God is saying, come home. Come home. I'm going to pray a prayer in a minute that will enable you to do that. You see, in any relationship, there are two really hard things to say. It's hard to say, I'm sorry I was wrong. And it's hard to say the words, it's okay, I forgive you. But God's already said the words, it's okay, I forgive you. And he's shown that on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. He's waiting, he's watching, he's longing, he's saying, it's okay, I forgive you. And we're just called to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Please don't be proud. Please don't think she'll be right. Please don't think you're good enough. And please don't think you're bad enough. Just say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And the Father's there, full of compassion, hugging, covering you with kisses, all because of Jesus. Here's a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I am not good. I've not loved you above everything else, and I'm sorry about that. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I can be welcomed home. I want to follow you. Please help me to do that. I'm going to pray that prayer again. And if you know that you are far away from God and want to come home, just echo it in your heart as I pray again. So let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I am not good. I have not loved you above everything else. I'm sorry about this. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I can be welcomed home. I want to follow you. Please help me to do that. Amen. If you've done that, if you prayed that prayer, I'd love to chat to you at the end of the service just to give you a little Bible or a booklet just to help you on your journey. Uh, but whether you prayed that prayer or didn't, I'd love to some feedback on the service. You might want to sign up for Simply Christianity. Uh, you might have a question. You might have a prayer request. You might want to meet with somebody one-to-one. Uh, whilst the musicians come forward, I'll give you a chance just to, to grab the, the purple-coloured bulletin that you were given. And uh, at the bottom, you'll find a tear-off slip. And at the end of the pews, you'll find some pencils. Thanks for listening.